Welcome in, listeners, to another exciting Whisper in the Wings. We have another fantastic director of sorts for you. Joining us today is Liam Lonigan, the artistic director of the Egg and Spoon Theater Collective. Uh, Liam, welcome into today's show. So glad you could join us. Andrew, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Liam, your company is doing a show um randy dandy randy's dandy coaster castle uh and i i <laughs> we we were talking before we we started recording and i'm i'm very excited because this came across uh when i was putting my fall schedule together and i just remember reading the synopsis and being like yeah okay you know what this sounds just like a series of misfortunate events and i'm i'm down i want to see where this train wreck goes <laughs> uh, um it sounds like a terrible experience in an old rundown Jersey park, but it's, in, if I remember right, it's, it's Florida's ninth best amusement park. Yes. It takes so, place at, at the Florida panhandle in Panama city. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us a bit about the show? Oh, this sh- wacky adventure of a show, uh, Randy's dandy coaster castle written by Alexander Perez um, came to us from our associate artistic director, Adam Coy, who's actually playing a character in the show, Arlo. Um, and Adam was a part of a reading of this play um, on a rooftop uh, produced by Breaking and Entering Theater Collective, an, an organization that's similar in size to us, um, a little bit younger. And coming out of the pandemic, we all are desperate to see theater that is <laughs> trying to allow us to escape this crazy, horrible, depressing world we're all experiencing or have experienced for the last th- three years and more. Um, and so when I first read this play, um, I knew exactly um, what our audiences and our artists needed coming out of the pandemic. So it's about a group of employees who work at an amusement park called Randy's Dandy Coaster Castle and pretty much about how they navigate their lives and their work at this rundown amusement park, which seems to be on the brink of closure and bankruptcy. Um, but it is a, uh, a, a crazy time. Um, and Alex has created, the writer has rendered such lovable characters um, that you just, that you instantly fall in love with and, and gravitate towards. That is fantastic. And I, I, I just feel like it is a, um, almost a, uh, I don't want to say farce because I feel like it's bigger than that. It's just, you know, one thing leads to another. There's just one comical oopsie after the other, you know. Yes, in life, right? This this farce yeah. of life, absolutely it is. It, you know, but, you know, when farce is its most powerful, it it is its most true. Yeah, exactly. Know? Nothing's funnier than the truth. Yes. That is... So when you can relate to that, where you're like, I have been there, where like everything is just going wrong and you could do nothing but just stand there and be like, yeah, I guess it's Monday. Here we are, you know. And you literally saying that right now could be a character in Randy's Dandy Coaster Castle. Alex, you know, I was was writing a little note for the program a couple of days ago and something that I feel like is so honest about this playwright is that he's able to laugh at the ridiculousness of life in such an honest and deep way, um, which is what you were just describing. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I've stopped trying to be like, oh, it's okay. This is as bad as it can. I've literally just been like, we ride the wave right now. That's it. Whatever comes, comes. It's, nothing is new. <laughs> yeah, 
that's it. That's it. So how did you come across this show? Well, Adam um, brought it to us. Um, he was, uh, Adam, our associate artist director was in a, a reading of it. And I was driving to, I, I put it off for a little while, re the reading of it, you know, <laughs> and I was, and finally when Adam was, you know, pressured me enough to, to really dive into it. I was on my way to Vermont. Uh, a friend of mine was driving and I was in the passenger seat and I told him, I, I just need to read this play. And, you know, part way through the ride, he was like, what are you laughing at? And I rarely laugh when I'm reading a play. You know, it's mostly when, you know, you see it physically on stage or, or hear it out loud. Um, but the, the crazy, crazy way um, that that Alex creates these characters in this world um, and just their sad, sad lives um, is just so true to all of us and what we're experiencing right now. And particularly something that is, is really important in the producing of this play and something that is really uh, important to Alex is how so many employees of low wage jobs are ex and particularly people of color, non-white employees, are abused and exploited mm -hmm. for these rundown, mismanaged organizations. And that is Randy's Dandy Coaster Castle. The boss, Ramon, um, who runs the park, who, who owns the park, um, is just treating his employees like garbage um, in order to just stay afloat. Um, and that was, that's really important in the message of this play and the experience of it while you're reading or seeing it. Um, so that's another reason why it felt important to produce. Just yeah. Like what a timely time. What a timely time. What a timely piece of theater, especially now um, with the way that the, the job market is, you know, a lot of people just being like, I, I, there's not enough money or I don't make enough money to go back to this and be treated this way. You know, it really is a worker's time. It is. And, and God bless that people are finally realizing their worth. That's amazing. So I love that there's a show that's kind of like, yeah, here, here's, let me explain why things are the way they are. Let me draw it on a whiteboard for you. If that's, that's what you need. <laughs> and make you laugh at the same time. Exactly. What was it like developing this show? It was pretty, I'll be honest, it was pretty developed when it came to us. Um, Alex had done a bit of work on it. It had a workshop production um in new york a small you know a small scale uh production that alex had produced the playwright um when he received one of those new york city artists core grants um that that you know many artists were fortunate enough to get um and so it had come pretty pretty packaged up he had done a, he did a little bit of work on it throughout the rehearsal period um but it was pretty developed as you know when it when it when it arrived at, at my desk. Um, Which is really convenient yeah. for a nice transition, right? You don't have to like smooth the edges too much. Yes. And you know, I, developing plays is a, is the, is a true lifeblood of the American theater. And, and obviously something that many organizations are starting to do in large and small scales. But when a show comes to me, this I learned from my a mentor of mine. But though, you know, you read a, sh a new play um, thinking maybe you might produce it. And I have learned over a period of time that the bones of it, 
need to be pretty perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, you you don't want to read a play and go, gosh, if it just had five workshops, this scene here, this scene there, up and down, sideways and backwards, <laughs> then it might be ready for, for a premiere. And when this show, when I first read it, you know, on that trip to, to Vermont, um, I knew that it was, if this show came right to our stage in its current form, our audience would fall in love um, and be changed. And so though new play development, of course, is about reconfiguring, allowing, you know, giving a, a writer space to to edit, cut, change, add, um, the bones of it, the structure, the beating heart needs to completely be there. Um, and that is absolutely what Alex brought to us um, when it first came. Amazing. Now you had mentioned, I think previously that there had been a rooftop reading of this play. Yes. Um, so how long have you guys been working on this show and then, you know, where else has it been, uh, I guess, performed or produced? So this, that, that rooftop reading um, was part of an organization called breaking and entering theater. Uh, which is a small organization, um, very similar in size to our our humble Egg and Spoon, um, which came about, the artist director is Emily Bubeck, and um, they had found the show and produced it, I think, last summer um, as part of their rooftop reading series. Um, And Adam, um, who plays Arlo in the show and works for for Egg and Spoon, just had a great time. I didn't see the 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 reading, um, but but he was completely changed by it and inspired by it. So he brought it to us. And and when push came to shove, when we were trying to program our first show back um, in oh, in almost three years, oh. um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this just felt like the perfect show. Um, so it didn't have a ton of, and then that that uh, workshop production that Alex had produced. But other than that, it hadn't had too much. Um, of a history besides just Alex, the you know, composing it. Um, but we're very lucky to to have it in in its current form and appreciate all the work he's done on it previously. That's amazing. And I love when you, you know, what an incredible opportunity to be able to see something and go to someone and be like this, this show, we have to do this show. Cause I mean, I, the number of things I've seen and I've gone back to people and been like this show, this, you need to do this, spread the word about this, plaster it everywhere, you know? Yes, absolutely. You know, I was, uh, I was thinking the other day, um, just reminiscing on, on the months leading up to this production. Our first preview is actually, I don't know when this, this episode comes out, but in current time, our, our first preview is tomorrow. And I, I was thinking, you know, reminiscing about all the work that has been put in by our very wonderful staff um, and the artists who were involved in the production. And I thought about the first time I met Alex, the playwright, and when we had decided as a group um, that we that this is the show for us, I had met Alex in a in a a coffee shop um, on the Lower East Side and it is one of my favorite experiences asking a playwright if we can do their play and produce it full scale. Um, playwrights are, are some of the, are the most complex artists in the theater because they are the ones that start with the blank canvas. 
like the blinking cursor on a, a Microsoft Word document. <laughs> you know, they they create it from nothing or the experiences in their lives or the inspirations around them, but they really start from scratch. Um, and so they work in isolation for a long time. And so to say to a writer, the show you've been working on for years, years and years, um, it's going to be brought before an audience if you'll let us. It is, a, it's a transformative experience. And it's one of my favorite experiences as an artistic director um, to support an artist in that way. Um, so I just love that we got a chance to do that. For I love that. What are you hoping is the message uh, audiences will take away? I think that they're, <laughs> that life is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> the, the world that, that this company has created, um, this joyous, energetic, electric, um, sad, depressing, joyous world um, that Rebecca Martinez, our, our, our just inspiring director, um, and, and Alex Perez, our playwright, have created, show us that, yes, this world is crazy. Um, but when it comes down to it, we, we have each other, even when we're exploited to the end um, or giving up hope, um, that humans are the backbone of this economy Oftentimes people of color are the backbones of this economy. And though they are treated um, terribly um, by many organizations, companies, and bosses, um, they are they are the hope for the future um, and the change that is coming. Um, so that's yeah. that's what I hope. And and just the thing that is that is truly the I think the most vital part of this experience for me is that this organization, Egg and Spoon, came from came from nothing um, except a a group of artists who had graduated from school um, just recently, working in restaurants and hotels and gyms um, without getting jobs in the theater. Um, that they just paid or had been deep in loans um, yeah. from. And with just the desire to create an organization and put on plays and be heard. Um, and so for many, for a few seasons, we were really struggling through it to raise money, to not pay people well or at all. Um, and now to be on 53rd Street at Art New York, which is a just a beautiful space built, you know, five, six years ago. Um, and and with this company of such talent, um, it is, you know, it makes those <laughs> those memories of of doing table work in our apartment, moving our beds into closets so we had room for an office. <laughs> um, it just makes it all all so worth it. Um, so I'm excited for you to see it. The one industry or the one degree that you do not have a job on the other side, and there's no way to guarantee you a job on the other side. You just no. 
Roll the dice. Ah, the BFA in theater. I know. <laughs> oh, the BFA. Got uh, rounding out this portion of our interview, I wanted to ask, um, who do you hope have access to the show? Oh, gosh. The people, you know, I'll be honest with you, the people who haven't, not only have, traditionally don't have access to the theater, but the people who in many circumstances in our previous productions didn't have access to egg and spoon shows, um, which are people who are physically disabled. We, you know, for, for, for years, we were doing theater at, at at venues uh, without real access um, for uh, the physically disabled Um, people who are emotionally disabled um, people who often, you know, are not going to the theater because they they can't they're trying to make ends meet um this is the show about them and for them um so i really invite anyone that is having and people have come to us and said i want to see the show but i just can't make it through this ticket price right now um to reach out to us and we will accommodate um so we, you know, we invite obviously our our non-white patrons um, who who ha- you know are barely rec- you know represented in the theater, um, you know financially, um, you know inaccessible, um, you know those people who are who are you know struggling financially, um, but also those that, who are physically and emotionally um, disabled who yeah who don't make it out or have been in real isolation the past three years um, who are, uh, you know, are struggling to um, go out into the, to the world because, you know, the rest of the, <laughs> the industry or our, you know, the rest of the population right now in America acts like this pandemic is over. Um, mm, yeah. And it is, and it is really not. Um, and obviously we have very strict protocols um, for our audience members requiring vaccinations and, and masks um yeah but we really hope those um those folks are are able to come out and and feel protected by our by our protocols and policies so yeah and most of all experience uh, uh i mean at least for me experience a new theater company i'm excited because i'd never heard of you guys and i'm like okay another new theater company like let's get on board you know and please it's do. always fun to to find them um and just follow along and see what they do because it that uh, not just following shows, you know, everyone's always like, what shows do you follow? And I'm like, shows are great. And that's one way to like keep in touch with what's coming where, but when you get off Broadway, theater companies are the way to go. That's how you kind of find the pipeline the majority of the time. So I am all sorts of jazz about discovering you guys and seeing where this leads to. I am too. You know, when I, when I first came to New York, I was, I was looking for a community um, and, you know, when people think of theater in New York, like we were just talking about before this, for this interview, people think of Broadway, um, and commercial theater because it is the most recognizable and it's the largest marquees, et cetera, biggest names. But I found a community in the off and off, off Broadway theater. Um, and I really believe it is the lifeblood of, mm-hmm. of the art form. So, yes. Yeah. I- completely agree
So on our show, we not only, you know, break down and, and discuss the, the the bones, if you will, of the show and whatnot, but we also talk about our personal experiences in the theater. So I want to kind of shift gears here now and and kind of switch um, switch it up and talk to you about your personal experience in the theater. Um, and I want to start by asking you uh, what shows in the past have inspired you or, or do you love? And I will also broaden that to composers or playwrights as well. Mm. Oh, that's an amazing um, shows that have inspired me. There was a show um, by James I. James at Jack pre-pandemic is one of the last shows I saw before the pandemic started called TJ Love Sally Forever. Um, sort of an experimental and abstract rendering of <laughs> Thomas Jefferson's relationship um, with Sally, um, who was a slave. Um, and it was brought into present day, you know, modern perspective by this young girl attending a university in the South um, who pretty much gets assaulted by a, a professor. Um, mm-hmm. And, but the thing that was amazing about the show, Andrew, and James's work, um, he just had another show, um, Fat Ham at the Public. Um, oh, that was so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The thing that he does so well um, and in such an inspiring way is he looks at conventions in the American theater um, or in traditional, you know, tr- steeped in whiteness or white supremacy um, and looks at it and says, F it, you know, I'm, I, I'm not going to do that. And he breaks down boundaries, um, conventions, rules in creating a theater. And what he does is creates a theatrical event. Yes. At, And TJ loves Sally forever. You know, this portal opens up um, at the end of the play. And, and if you know, Jack in Brooklyn, it's this tiny space, pretty much a black box. And without saying anything, this, you know, this portal opened up filled with light and the audience members were inspired to walk through it. And what you realize what you were doing was walking into the future um and without any prompting no one said to walk through it but you did because it led you back into the lobby and back out into the street um and so i i just i love i love his work um and i'm excited to see where where it goes from there and will arbery as well on the other side um is writing such challenging plays um at playwrights horizons corsicana which was Mm -hmm. just done um heroes of the fourth turning really destroyed <laughs> destroyed the off-Broadway scene um in, in in the most amazing way when it came out a few years ago. Um but Will Arbery is doing such dangerous raw um inventive work um that really challenges people's perspectives on um you know uh, the conservative religious right um yeah that we're <laughs> that is the <laughs> heart of america's deep issues <laughs> um how do you how do you say it without saying it i know where you're yeah. going with this <laughs> yes yes um, I, I, but those I don't two. remember his full name that you just said james who wrote I, james james, uh, james I, I james yeah i fat ham was just i mean it won the pulitzer for a reason and i love his work 
his writing i want like my wife and i got to see that show and i left and i was like i want more of his stuff it's just inherently good it's it's just deeply and inherently theatrical um you know what when in the in a tv show or uh you know a, a podcast or a book or a movie can you have a you know an adaptation of hamlet that ends in a drag dance party yeah you know and it's just it's it's a theatrical event um and it's so good at that well that leads me uh to <laughs> That leads me to the next question, which is, have you seen any theater lately that you could uh, recommend to our listeners? Well, I actually am. Well, this isn't in New York, so that, but I'll but I'll say it anyway. I uh, um, I'm the assistant artistic director at an old theater in Westport, Connecticut um, called the Westport Country Playhouse. It's uh, in the early 2000s. It's 90 year, 91 years old. Wow. Um, for you, Andrew, the history buff, um, but it was, it was started, um, in 1931, um, and it, for a while it was the, the theater guild, um, had taken it over and it was part of the straw hat circuit, et cetera. But, um, we just finished, um, a play called Kim's Convenience, um, which is by um, Inns Choi, and it was based on the- TV the show? Yeah, the t- yeah. Yeah, yeah, I oh. love that show. Sorry, it's not based on the TV show. The um, the TV show was based off of- on the play, show. yeah. yeah. Um, and so that just finished, but we, um, we're now in production for uh, uh, Amy Herzog's play, 4,000 Miles, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, just, just a magical evening in the theater, subtle, complex, um, beautiful. And that actually opens the day after Randy Sandy Coaster Castle um, and the 27th. Uh, but Maya Dillon, Clay Singer, they're doing such wonderful, wonderful work in it. Um, and it's just a brief train ride from the city. Um, also, right now, um, that um, I, Westport Country Playhouse Week had commissioned um, uh, Johnny G. Lloyd, um, who is a wonderful playwright and his play Patience is now at Second Stage Uptown. Yes, at the WP um, Theater. It's um it's yeah, at Second Stage Uptown and it runs um uh until the 28th. Yep. Yes. Um and Johnny is an amazing playwright and just has a wonderful story on his hands. Um, kind of a, centered around the game of solitaire, um, but you should absolutely see it if you can. Um, and he is really part of the next generation of writers who is taking over um, the American theater. Um, so please, please, please support that if you can. I, You are the third person to recommend it. Uh, I'm so bummed that uh, the night we were supposed to go, they had a COVID positive. Oh, yes. I know. And I was like, crap. And my schedule is booked. But uh, I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. And like I said, you're the third person that I've interviewed that um, has said that they need to, you need to go see that show. So... your favorite part about working in the theater wow that's amazing 
An amazing question. The <laughs> working in the theater is not easy um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it is like an underpaid, um, overworked industry, um, hobby, life, career for many. But gathering people together is, has always been my favorite joy um, since I was very, very young, running around making plays after dinner in our living room um, with shirts over my head for wigs, um, <laughs> et cetera. Um, and when you're able to gather a group of artists and a group of community members together, that communion, marriage, the, the moment the lights go down is pure drugs for me. It is the best high I've ever had in my entire life. Um, and when someone's able to say, oh, I never would have thought that would be turned into a play. I've never seen an existence or a life that way. Um, I, it just makes it all the more worth it. All of that hard work, um, all those sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. um, but it's the gathering people together, which just doesn't happen anymore. You know, it used to happen at town squares. It used to happen in churches or places of worship. Um, it used to happen on communities, you know, on street corners and neighborhoods. But it doesn't happen as much anymore when we're tied to our phones and the Internet. Um, but though there's technology associated with some of the, the magic of the theater right now, um, lights, sound, scenery, etc., it all that all of that goes away and it is just about breathing the same air mm -hmm. and an exchange an exchange of energy and story um which has survived for thousands of years and will survive for thousands of years more um and though it changes with every pandemic with every year um with every season um it will it will always be there to gather people together and, and change lives so absolutely i mean at, theater is a church in and in and of itself Indeed. And there is something so cathartic about just experiencing a sh or, or having a shared experience with, you know, 10, 20, 30, 500 people in a room, in a dark room um, and, and, and connecting with those people when you have the same reaction as someone across the theater. That's what makes it different than any other entertainment medium anywhere else, because you don't you don't do that with strangers. Where else do you go to watch Netflix with strangers? You know, you don't pull up a chair and do that. That's not a thing. And in the theater, you do. You just sit down next to whoever and you're watching the same show and you could be having two different experiences or the exact same. And in that moment, you have form a bond where you are just living and dying with everything that's happening on, on stage. And it's, it's magical. It is magical for that 90 minutes or two hours or whatever it can be. It is. Last night we had our our fat uh, our last run through a culmination of our tech weekend, um, and which was absolutely wonderful, and then and, and caused me to of course get very excited to to share it with uh you know the New Yorkers. But I'm so excited for an audience to get in that space because everyone knows the actors know you know Rebecca the director and I were talking about it. Um, it transforms the entire show. That will not be the same show 
in front of an audience, the run through that happened last night, it will, it will be transformed, built on, um, and, and, and yeah, and just changed, um, to, to create that conversation with the audience. Um, so I'm just thrilled for that. Yes, absolutely. So building on that, what is your favorite theater memory or memories? <laughs> My favorite, favorite theater memory was the last production we had done um, called Zabel. Was it in November of 2019? Zabel is adapted by a novel of the same name by Nancy Krikorian um, about this woman who is escaping the Armenian genocide. Mm. Um, and it was created, the show was created by Leslie Noble and Sarane Garapetian, who is from Armenia and at Syracuse where I went to school. And it was done in a, in a classroom, like a dance studio with like a few props no lights um and of course sold out this this weekend or weekends in this dance studio and we brought it to new york um to add lights and sound and scenic elements etc and i never expected that armenians from all over the country would flock to new york city to see this show um and one particular night after the show Sarine had come up to me, um, who was a producer on the project as well. She'd come up to me and say, Liam, I want to introduce you to someone. I said, okay. Um, and she said, oh, this is Carolyn. I said, oh, hi, Carolyn. I'm Liam. Hi, hi Liam. I'm Carolyn. Um, and she said, you know, it was just amazing, Carolyn said, seeing the show um, because this is my grandmother's story. I said, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. I know. Is And I said, that's amazing. And she said, no, no, no. It's actually my grandmother's story. My grandmother and the grandmother of the author of the book were best friends. And that character in the play is my grandmother. And I said, oh my God, oh my God. When you're able, when you don't even know it, when you're allowing your production to tell the story of a brave individual many years ago um, and to have their family members see it and sit in that honor, in that pride, um, is, it is truly transformative. I, I don't believe, <laughs> I'm not a cynic, but I don't believe you can maybe totally transform people's lives in the theater. You make them better. You open up their, their minds and hearts in a given moment. You inspire them. But this was one where I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, we, are, we are doing something really important right now. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm very inspired and happy and, and proud of, of Egg and Spoon and, and Sarine um, in that effort. Wow, that, I mean, that <laughs> moment must have been just, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. how often do you get to have that moment with a lot of these shows, you know? Oh no. my gosh, that's no. incredible. I know. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> um, uh, well, are there any other productions that uh, your company has coming on the pipeline in the future? No. This is this is the one for now. We also do something called 
um, the incubation series, which is we accept um, submissions from uh, uh, black indigenous and writers of color um, uh, who have new plays that they want to be developed. Um, and we choose three writers and develop those plays and readings and workshops over the course of the year. Um, so when they're, we're in the midst of um, not adjudicating, but selecting um, those three author, you know, writers right now. Um, and so you should absolutely look out for those readings um, and, and workshops uh, when they have presentations. And also to spread the word for writers of color to submit next year. Um, that's important. important work. That's that's work that needs to be done as well. Yes, yes. That you guys are doing that. It is, and it also came out of a. Uh, to be transparent, it came out of a history of us not doing that, um, and it was a big wake up call in the pandemic with with Black Lives Matter and we see white American theater um, to just go. We haven't done this work, so we just have to be very cognizant and intentional about it moving forward. So. Wonderful. Good for you guys. Good job. If our listeners want to get more information about um, your show, um, Randy's uh, Dandy Coaster Castle, or they want to uh, find more information about uh, Egg and Spoon Company or even you, how can they find it or reach out to you? You can go to our website, www.eggandspoontheater.org. T-H-E-A-T-R-E. And to hear more about uh, Randy's Dandy Coaster Castle, read more, get more information, buy tickets, um, that would be eggandspoontheater.org slash Randy's. Um, and you'll get all the information there about what to do in order to, to see the show. And do you guys have any social media? Yes, of course. Instagram, Egg and Spoon Theater, um, same thing. Um, Facebook, um, you can just look up Egg and Spoon Theater Collective, um, and all information circulates throughout website, Instagram, Facebook, social, um, and now TikTok, um, which is the same thing, Egg and Spoon Theater, um, to see some crazy content. <laughs> Well, my guest today has been Liam Lonigan, who is the artistic director of the Egg and Spoon Theater Collective. Um, their current show, Randy's Dandy Coaster Castle, is playing at theater at ART New York Theaters, which is at 502 West 53rd Street. It's a beautiful, beautiful complex. Definitely go and see it. And the show is running August 23rd through September 2nd. I'm excited to see the show. I already have my tickets, so you need to make sure to get yours. You can get your tickets and more information by logging on to their website, which is the eggandspoontheater.org, and that's theater with an R-E. Um, and you can log directly onto the show's information by just doing the eggandspoontheater.org slash randys. Um, so listeners, come on out. Let's go see the show. Let's support this theater company. Liam, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been an absolute blast. I, I hope this is the first of many times speaking with you because this was a hoot and I can't wait to see your show. Thank you so much, Andrew. It was a true pleasure. Thank you. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you.
If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jesse Spillane, Kevin McLeod, Mela, and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Oh,